0: The Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports.
1: Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic. Visit TheAthletic.com slash Spot Track S B O T R A C for 40% off your annual subscription, just $2.99 a month for tons of content, tons of articles, tons of podcasts, tons of analytic work, all the sports coverage you need across the landscape, in your local area, and across the country. Sports is on the way back, and there's plenty of articles covering that right now. Visit theathletic.com slash track S-P-O-T-R-A-C. My name is Mike Giannetti. Happy Memorial Day evening to you. We're going to bring in Scott Allen in a couple of minutes here to kind of go back and forth a little bit about where we stand with things, bring out a few numbers, uh, maybe a quasi-MLB financial situation based on what we're hearing, what's been proposed, what's been rejected, all that fun stuff. I wanted to start with like just a quick, basically just a kind of a wraparound where we are with these sports. Um, Obviously with the NFL, the big stories are, well, the big positive stories are draft signings. We've had uh, maybe a dozen or so, two dozen maybe, 24 total. We're tracking that at spotrack.com slash NFL slash draft. All the projected contracts, you can see who signed, who hasn't signed, and get all the projected draft pools. Just another disclaimer on that, our NFL cap numbers do not include draft pools we show them for reference we do not include them in our numbers automatically they get added as players sign so as Jonathan Taylor signs his cap figure for 2020 gets added accordingly that's just how we uh, we operate rather than kind of project we, we kind of show it as it is as it's happening in real time and just around the corner speaking of about five six days now June 1st, we'll have a couple of players fall off a couple of salary cap tables. Those June 1st designations like Todd Gurley and a few others, Trey Burton in Chicago. Yes, they still show on their previous team. That's how it works. Full cap hit stays until June 1st. And then after June 1st, the dead cap splits between this year and next year, and everything else falls off. So there will be some significant movement with those numbers for the teams that did claim a June 1st designation that's coming up in a week or so. We'll make sure to uh, spotlight that on our next show as well to make sure people understand why there will be some significant number changes to the cap table, which is kind of rounding into form. I mean, the NFL is business as usual outside of the fact that a lot of teams are still virtual, but that even that's improving. There's uh, you know, here in New York state, the mandate's been given that teams can congregate at their facilities and start to work out and train, um as they would have been so i I assume we'll start to see some mini camps here in buffalo or down in the new jersey area as well for the jets and giants i assume that's going to be the case as teams sort of wrap up their summer work and gear up towards training camp it sure sounds like we're gonna have a normal training camp probably no fans you know maybe in a more disclosed location um just for health purposes but sure sounds like the NFL's on track, so we're going to keep up with these numbers. Um, and the big push, you know, as we did last week with Deb, Dak Prescott, the big push right now for us is going to be identifying extension candidates, identifying really trade candidates too. There's a couple of teams that I do think need to clean clean some things up, New England being one of them. Generally speaking, we see a July or August trade out of them, and uh, they're certainly not in great cap shape. So I would expect there's something coming there, whether there's, it's an extension or a trade remains to be seen but we are compiling those kind of lists i put up a pretty pretty cool article this week on spot track um went back into the history books into our archives and basically pulled out the largest valued contract for every single nfl franchise in history so total value not not so much the average salary not so much how many years it was but just how big it was from a dollar standpoint and identified every player who holds that contract with every franchise how big it was, and the result. You know, Did they play it out? How much of it was earned? Were they traded or released inside of it? Up, Basically the, uh, the status for that contract. So pretty neat. A <laughs> couple of names on there I think will, uh, will surprise you certainly. Plenty of quarterbacks, of course. Plenty of non-quarterbacks, though. It's a pretty split list. But um, only a handful of those are active right now, by the way, that, that, which may surprise you. Um, a lot of these franchises haven't gone over $100 million yet on a contract. That might surprise you. But if you don't have a good quarterback, <laughs> chances are you haven't approached the $100 million mark and you don't have a, you know, Hall of Fame defensive end, 3-4 defensive end. So um, that's sort of where it goes. So there's some names on there for sure that, you know, blast from the past, a couple of, couple of contracts on there that could be deemed arguably the worst in history. So I know the reason to read that as well, but just a quick fun article I did this week on com. We'll keep that up there for a few more days before we move on. Like I said, extension candidates coming, trade candidates, definitely coming. We're going to start working on our projections with some of these players who I think are on the cusp of at least needing or talking about a new contract. I'm sure their agents are working on that as we speak, although it may not be the right year for that. As we know, we've discussed that and the ramifications of this COVID-19 situation and where we're going financially speaking, you know, any, any league that plays games without fans is losing revenue. We know that for sure by now we're going to get that into that deeper with the Major League Baseball situation and why there's so much back and forth. At least that's one example of why there's so much back and forth. Hockey cert- certainly seems like they're getting their ducks in a row. Um, sounds like they're going to go to a 24 team finish here, which means there's a few franchises that are going to get left out. I assume that NBA will get there as well. There just seems no need to bring back the 12th, 12th place team in a conference right now for what seems to be, you know, a couple of warm-up games and then some sort of playoff tournament, whether it's a normal playoff system or if it's some sort of um, converted tournament-style system, round-robin maybe. But, you know, if your team was out of it heading into, into April, I don't know why those teams would be involved in anything right now from a, from a health standpoint. Um, those players have been paid. mostly in full. The NBA did cut back on the last paycheck 10 days ago. But, you know, you're paid through the regular season. And then if you make the postseason, there's a slotted postseason pay based on how far you go in the postseason. So the players in those two sports were paid in full for the regular season for all intents and purposes. Baseball is a completely different story. We're going to get to that in a little bit here. But, you know, the NHL and the NBA have some flexibility because there's not really this financial elephant in the room. So it's just about how do we do this safely? How do we do this with some integrity, right? Because that's that's where a lot of the conversations are right now. You know, if LeBron goes and wins another championship, well, do we have to put an asterisk next to it? Blah, blah, blah. That's for the opinion guys to get to. I, uh, I'm i really just in the mindset of let's get some things back on TV at this point. I'm not even worried about sitting in a stands with a beer and a hot dog right now for a baseball game. Let's just... Uh, Let's let's get this thing. Let's limp into this thing, baby steps. Obviously, take care of everybody from a health situation. Um, those two sports, it's like I said, the finances aren't that big of a deal. They, they may have to cut back on some of the postseason pay because, obviously, no fans, less revenue. So maybe that's a discussion that's being had right now, and we'll see if the, uh, the Players Association have to uh, agree to something there. But for all intents, it sounds like those two leagues are really getting something together. So I would expect in the next two weeks – yeah, mid-June, we really start to see some training ramp up for those two sports. And then, like a, you know, something inside of July, maybe later than in July, some sort of significant game schedule comes, comes into play, hopefully. And hopefully by that point, baseball's here as well. But we're going to get into a discussion as to why that may not be the case, unfortunately. Um, outside of that, the NFL has been quiet, as you might imagine. Front offices are really kind of putting the clamp down. Many of them are... I would imagine if they're at, I don't know if they're stripped front offices right now, if they're cut back a little bit, or if they're, you know, just kind of going through the motions, doing their homework, preparing for an upcoming season. Uh, it may be less about preparing for, you know, next year and the year after, whereas that's a big part of the off season because there's so many unknowns. You know, we don't know if the cap's going to drop. We don't know if they're going to be able to get through this season. And then if it doesn't, what happens? Are we pushing up against the situation with like the NBA where we we're almost positive that the NBA is not 2021 NBA is not getting done October, November. I I have to imagine that anything that's being discussed right now means the next season is going to start Christmas at the earliest. So, you know, the NFL might, might face that. There might be a situation where if there's a kink in the, uh, in the hose, as they start to get this thing off the ground, it's going to be a pushback system, which is similar to what we're dealing with now with these other two sports. So I just wonder how much forecasting can really be done. And like I like I mentioned with the previous podcast with uh, you know projecting these quarterback contracts, it's all a big what if. Our agent's trying to get it done now before we, we know some of those unknowns and we, we know that a cap is dropping or there's a three-year financial clamp that needs to happen where revenue is going to be sort of I don't know, uh, tempered, you know, is it going to be a slow process getting back up to hundred percent? Will the new TV money actually generate enough to kind of carry the day? There's just so many unknowns. And I know there's smarter people than me forecasting this kind of stuff, but I'm certainly sitting here from a player's perspective, trying to understand, you know, what agents and players are sitting about thinking from a business standpoint, you know, when, when is it a good time to strongly consider a new contract? If I'm a baseball player, and uh, you know, we'll flip the switch here in a second, but if I'm a baseball player, not only do I have the COVID-19 situation, but there's a CBA set to expire in about 18 months. After the 2021 season, um, the CBA will expire. It's one of the reasons this entire situation is as hostile as it is. When you got guys like Blake Snell and Bryce Harper and some of those players really putting their foot down, and a union that basically says, "We're not budging. We're not. We're not going to change right now." When we're, when we're slow close to a serious negotiation process with the with the owners, that's going to mean a new CBA. The the players are getting killed. The players have been major league baseball players have been getting killed for two decades. It's just a fact. They they locked out. They they went on strike last time. Everything I'm reading and talking about and talking to people about basically says. There is a one hundred and fifteen percent chance they're gonna strike again with the way things are progressing, and now this is just a monkey wrench in that of course, because now they're gonna now they're gonna to have to play for less if they play at all and when you start doing that and owners can kind of cry a wolf on just how much money they are losing from you know the beer and hot dog sales, the ticket sales the parking, the lack of having other events in their arenas and their stadiums there's uh it's more power to the owners, and unfortunately, that's 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 just how it works right now. The owners have owned the day in Major League Baseball for about 20, 20 years or so, and they have all the leverage right now, unfortunately, even though the players can get together and organize and say, this is what we really need and this is what we want. But if they want to play some ball in 2020, they're going to have to compromise yet again, unfortunately, because it's an owner's league, and there's a commissioner that has Played nice with the owners for a long, long time now, even, even before he was the actual commissioner. So it's a tough situation. We'll talk to Scott Allen a little bit more about that in a second. And just whipping around a little more here, of course, I'm looking at the theathletic.com to see what's being talked about. Our presenting sponsor has been for now for quite some time. We really appreciate their partnership. It's uh, We're on that lull, if I have to be perfectly frank with you. Good to see nascar on this weekend another heck of a race there really cool to see another golf match this one from a personality standpoint really really led the way i mean last weekend with the rory and the dustin johnson that was that was good golf that's fine hard course good golf um felt a little more pga this was certainly more you know a couple of guys slinging back Buddy mary's early in the morning they go down hitting 18 this was good it certainly got serious and it was a nice close match, but. That was entertaining. And we'll talk to Scott about that as well. But from a league standpoint, like I said, the NFL's quieted down here. It's really just draft signings. Uh, you know, We're going to spend some time on Major League Baseball, I think, this week because we do have payrolls to discuss and free agents to discuss. And there are some things that they're going to carry the, the offseason, whether we have a, an actual season or not. Um, so we can we can actually discuss the nuts and bolts of Major League Baseball a little bit. Basketball? We've talked about it with Scott before if, and when, and it sounds like the time frame is going to be, you know, they're going to try to get this thing done by September, middle September, which is a picked up 2020 season, 2019, 2020 season. Let's get ourselves to the middle of September, finish our, our finals. Then, then we'll have a quick draft. We'll have a quick free agent period. And then we'll get our, ourselves training again for a December, 2021 season. Um, Fortunately, it's not a glamorous offseason in terms of a free agent list, uh, you know, potential trade t- candidates. There will be, of course. I mean, certainly Anthony Davis' situation with the Lakers is top-notch, is huge. Is Giannis going to extend? Huge. So there's a couple of outlying factors there. You know, what are the Warriors going to do now that they've kind of gotten through this injury-laden season and they have, they're going to have a massive draft pick to go with it? You know, are they going to keep themselves together? Or are they going to break it up a little bit? Same with Philadelphia, who outside of them going and winning this prorated <laughs> postseason, if and when we have it, I imagine they're going to break up those pieces. So really, those are the headlines. Those are the storylines to, to discuss here. Uh, it's just not a glam. We, had a, we were blessed with a, fina- a fantastic free agent class last year and a whole summer to look forward to it. It's con- I'm kind of glad that this one, is back down to earth. A couple of decent names. Outside of that, it's kind of ho-hum and good because it's going to get washed up in the middle of September, October, possibly college football, possibly NFL football. Uh, it's just not going to dominate like it would have in a normal off season on July 1st. So that's a bit of a bittersweet thing to to anticipate, that if, if and when there's the NBA schedule stays intact, this uh, this proposed schedule... Luckily we won't have to be, you know, trying to balance watching all of our football and what you know, potentially watching baseball postseason as well while worrying about where Kevin Durant's gonna end up. We're just not gonna have that kind of player this year. I imagine Davis's situation is pretty stable in Los Angeles, especially if you know, they go and do some damage in this little tournament style thing. So just not gonna have those major storylines. The NFL does. The NFL does. I mean, if Dak stays on this franchise tag, if Mahomes doesn't sign yet, if Deshaun Watson doesn't sign yet, you've got some major pieces of your puzzle with, with, with dollar signs in their future. And how much and when and will it ruin the team and can the Chiefs stay together? I mean, the, the storylines are sort of writing themselves and they've been building up. And that's, that's always going to be the case when you have young players kind of outkicking their coverage on these rookie contracts. It's what every team is hoping for. It's what the Seahawks had with Russell Wilson for a bunch of years. Um, and certainly, you know, it's what Baltimore sort of got at the end of Joe Flacco's rookie contract before they had to pay him an interminable amount of money. And certainly we saw it in the homes last year. And to some degree, Houston has had that with Deshaun Watson. They haven't been a complete team. But Deshaun Watson's back-to-back postseason appearances and outside of, a couple, of an injury, who knows where that team could be with him. So I expect – Houston be back in the conversation even after the, the uh, questionable offseason moves, for sure. But he's a heck of a player. He's, a, he's up there. So if he's one of those players with a contract sitting in front of him for the next six to ten months, you know if they do decide to pause, not sign this summer, and see where things are going, then this 2020 NFL season is going to have storyline after storyline after storyline. So, the, again, the NBA could get kind of squashed behind that a little bit. Major League Baseball, it does have some, some juice. It does have. I mean, the Yankees are young, somewhat cheap, and good. The Dodgers kind of dialed it back. They're they're in competing payrolls right now, but really nothing that's blowing anybody out of the water. They're up the top, but they should be at the top because they built for so many years now. They they kind of dialed it back and built from the draft or built from youth. They acquired young, inexpensive players that they th- figured would work out. They all did. I mean, they've got rosters full of of team of cost controlled players right now. And this offseason alone, both of those franchises went and got some expensive players, some veteran players to fill in the blanks. So they were both prepared, financially speaking, to pay some money and go and get a World Series. We'll see if that's allowed to happen. Um, but if it doesn't, if it does or as it doesn't, huge question marks for next year. You know, what happens with Stanton? What happens with. Mookie Betts, of course, maybe the biggest question of all sports, if, if there's no 2020 and Mookie Betts, that contract doesn't toll, which is something I'm going to talk to Scott about here, are we just going to allow Mookie Betts then to walk without ever having played for the, for the, the Dodgers after what they had to give up to get him in the first place? Such a big question mark. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no foundation for this. There's no book to open up and read to say, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. So baseball's figuring all this out it's also why they have to play it has to make, they have to make it work. They just do because you don't want to have to answer that question right there. You don't want to have to answer. Okay. Well, you know, the Dodgers gave up X and X and X and they had to pay Mookie Betts a prorated version of X, but now he just walks. He can just walk to the San Diego Padres and let, they could pay another player, $300 million and try to build a super team. It's uh, boy. There's just a lot to go with that. So, Those are the kind of questions I don't want Major League Baseball to have to answer. Just from a timing standpoint, none of these other sports have to deal with this because of the timing of when this happened. Like I said, the NHL and the NBA, their regular seasons were to a point where they can just say, oh, let's just scrap it. There are certainly some question marks of who's going to make it into the playoffs, and I think they'll address those either with some kind of play in tournament or just, you know, maybe a two-week Air quote warm up regular season to get back and figure out who's going to be those eight nine ten spots if they decide to expand the postseason as well. So there's a uh, lot to unpack there. Baseball's the focal point, and not just because it's my favorite. <laughs> I'm not playing favorites, but because of the fact that they literally didn't start the season. They have the entire season to look at, and they're going to they're going to squish it down to some version of that and try to make it work but there's so much business that goes in inside of doing that so let's bring in scott allen we'll talk a little bit more about baseball specifically and of course any questions on you know the nfl signings the draft signings extension candidates projections things like that future nba free agency things like that hit me up on twitter at spot s-p-o-t-r-a-c, S-P-O-T-R-A-C. While most sports are currently at a standstill, it's never too early to start preparing your updated fantasy football draft roster. And There's no better resource than Fantasy Pros, but their flagship draft wizard, mock draft simulator, you can customize any format that your fantasy league plays Run mock drafts in a matter of minutes against realistic opponents and prepare for any scenario your draft might face. Everything's going to be updated. We've got rookies, we've got UDFAs, there's plenty to deal with right now, especially if you're a dynasty draft. And, you know, extensions like Deshaun Watson will matter to you. Get in there, start cranking the numbers out, start figuring out what the heck is about to happen here as we push towards the, uh, you know, the the preseason schedule and things like that. It's going to come soon, especially with nothing else going on. So keep up with it on Fantasy Pros. Visit FantasyPros.com slash SpotTrack-NFL today. Get a head start on your competition. Again, that's FantasyPros.com slash SpotTrack-NFL. Happy to be joined once again by the other piece of the spot track puzzle, Scott Allen. Scott, hope you had a good Memorial Day weekend. First question, maybe the most important question that I have. Um, Outside of the fact that the golf carts appear to be more lavish and luxurious than any piece of furniture you and I have (laughs) in our homes, what was your takeaway from the match?
0: I, I enjoyed it. I thought one of the best parts was Phil caddying... Tom Brady, um, just even tiger as well with, uh, with Peyton saying ball's going to kick this way or that way. You should use this, uh, use this much, uh, uh pressure on the ball when hitting it with power. Um, I, 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 thought that was fantastic, even outside of all the rain and everything that was going on. Um, I, I really thought the insight in the, the commentary from, uh, tiger and Phil was f- phenomenal. I
1: think that everything about yesterday summed up Tom Brady in, in one day.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, absolute pro. I mean, I'm throwing my bag and driving my golf cart into the pond about, whole, about four holes into that. He's cool, comic collected. He's talking to the, to the national public in his earpiece. And at the end of the day, he's got the only shot anybody's going to remember. Yep. I mean when we look, when we go back and see highlights of this thing in three years, his his hole in from about a buck fifty out is what everybody's gonna look at and talk about. So he wasn't the greatest player out there and he still won, he still wins the day. That's Tom Brady's career in a nutshell. That's everything that that's everything we're gonna talk about, Tom Brady right there. True pro. So I hate to say it, but I think he won the day, even though Peyton was outstanding. Peyton Peyton's just one of those guys who is so frustratingly good at everything he does, including Having a personality that can sort of mm-hmm. fit every situation, just phenomenal. So, yeah,
0: well, tons of fun. Just, yeah, and watching Peyton, I, I, I kept going back to our conversation about yeah. him. Where, where Where is he going to end up in yeah. two, Doesn't three, matter. five years? Just I pick mean, it,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. Doesn't matter. Um, was it too long? I think so. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I think uh, they could have stood to – I don't know how you speed it up because you can't go nine because I understand what they did to I mean they're raising money. So it's telethons go way, way too long anyway. So I guess that that fit the bill.
0: I, I think the thing that caught me the most outside of the, you know, the caddying was I thought it was interesting with DraftKings in their Yeah, their let's talk about it. Go ahead. Yeah, I I thought it was phenomenal right as they're teeing off what the odds were for uh you know who's going to win the hole or odds to make this shot or anything like that. I, I thought it was great to have that on there. Uh, I, I think it's a great, uh, experiment for, yes. for golf, because I think you might start seeing more of that.
1: I, I, I was watching with my dad for a bit there. And one of those DraftKings prompts popped up and he looked at me like, what in the hell am I looking at? And then, I, you know, he understood it after a second. And then he said, but how how, You know, how can it be that quick? You know, how can how can who's gonna win the hole or how far who's gonna win the longest drive, whatever they were betting on at that at that millisecond. He didn't understand how you could interact that quickly, that live with an event. And I think that's probably that's probably a a normal reaction for a a, a big a big audience, especially a golf audience. You know, Mm -hmm. that might be a little older, might be a little bit more traditional, but it's dead on that that's exactly where things are going. I mean, I mean, you know, the,
0: yeah, we're uh, going to start seeing
1: that yes. in football and you're going to be baseball. standing at kiosks.
0: <laughs> yes. What are the odds of he's going to hit a home run on this one or, you know, uh, well, touchdown I equated it to, I equated
1: it to a horse race to him. I said, you know, how long does an actual horse race take, you know? And you, I mean, you can bet right up until the post, you can bet right, all the way up until it happens. Just, you know, multiply that by infinity because the opportunities to bet live on everything else, there's no end. There's absolutely no yeah. end to it. You know what I mean? I mean the the odds that somebody's going to hit hit a flag post. You know when, the you odds know, that when, Tom
0: Brady was going to sink that shot. Yeah,
1: astronomical. <laughs> but you can do it on every yeah. single shot. And yeah, golf might be a perfect uh, guinea pig for this because it's a it's a wide audience. Because I mean, God, ninety nine point nine percent of us are at home in front of a TV. You know, with devices around us, comfortable, able to be able to react quickly. Whereas, you know, if you're at a stadium, if I mean, if you've got three or four beers in you <laughs> at a football stadium, you're less likely it's still going to happen. I'm still going to do it, by the way. But you're less likely to on a regular basis, sit there and live bet something you're at. But when it's a home user and, and oh, by the way, this whole COVID-19 situation could be just a launch pad for it because we're all home. We can't even go to the events. We're home. If you're giving us things to watch on TV, give us a way to live bet it because this is how you can get us all in right now. You can hook and hook, hook, line and sinker live betting to a huge audience that just wants to watch anyway. So I think it's coming. So yeah, good for you bringing that up. That was really neat. Was it obtrusive at all? Did it take you away? Did it take you away? Was it obtrusive at all? Did it take you away from the, the live event?
0: Um, no, I don't yeah. think so.
1: I think I think golf was the right for it because there is so much downtime.
0: Well, and it and it flipped up so fast, and then it was there, and then right. they took it down uh, pretty pretty quick after the fact. So it wasn't in your face, but it was enough of the bottom screen that it caught your eye and made you d- like your dad double took. So I, I think it was just enough.
1: I think with the, the faster paced sports, you're going to have to have a sidebar or a bottom bar just yeah, all the time. So it's going to have to be part of the broadcast because things are well, happening yeah, so and, quickly.
0: And I, yeah, I agree with that because I was watching the NASCAR race last night and I was thinking, wh- where would they put it yeah. or how would it interact? Like uh, at the end, Larry always comes on and says, oh, there's usually a caution within this many laps left in the race. and right and there was a caution at the end it wasn't where he said it but you know that's a betting opportunity where there something few- pops up and says you know odds on that there's going to be a caution in the last 44 laps is X, Y, and Z, and, you know, yeah. people could bet on it right there then and there. There were a few
1: moments like that, Scott. That was one of them. And then the other one was the winner of the second stage has only won like three out of the last 12 races there. Right. I mean, you're already speaking to speak. <laughs> you're, yep. already, you're already speaking the speak. Just get the thing out there. So, yeah, I think this is the perfect, uh, you know, a little Petri dish to, to bring all this out because this is going to be a TV heavy sports world for the next 18 months. And that could go hand in hand with it. So good stuff. All right, let's switch gears. Actually, anything else? I didn't watch the, the Lance Armstrong stuff yet. I'm not sure if you did.
0: did. Yeah, yeah, I caught it this morning. Yeah, I watched it this morning on demand. You want to
1: give me a surfacy, uh 30-second review? Let me uh, ask you this question because I brought it up last week with you. Is it his point of view?
0: Yeah, for the most part. Okay. That's probably yeah, all I they need ask- to know then. They, they ask him questions and, I mean, they come right out of the gate, Like uh, according to the editing. I mean, they said, when's the first time you doped? And he double-took and said, oh, you're going to ask this right away? <laughs> so, what else is there? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, I, it, it's sort of like Jordan. They're asking the questions and, you know, it's from his point of view of where things went. This first episode was a lot of, background information how, how he got to where he got i think there's they're gonna dive into a lot more in part two hmm. it, it, it was all right it, it, me growing up I, I mean i'll put it out there i, I was a huge lance armstrong I fan. Were, i don't yeah. know if you were. i i had a, a wheaties box thing on my wall i i read all the books i i was into it i, I watched all the tour de france races I, I mean i was big into him and to me it, it I I was trying to think of the word that this whole situation felt to me and it was more disappointing than anything. Uh, I mean the one aspect that he came out and, and said towards the end was he, he got popped with cortisone in his, in his bloodstream and he said he actually did have it. He injected through the muscle But because of the type of cortisone he was using, he was able to just say, oh, it was a cream that I was applying to to help with uh, soreness or whatever it was. And he got away with it because one out of a million cortisones and it happened to be the one he could say it was the – was for uh, a cream. So I think we're going to get more in part two. It's disappointing, but – Again, it's from his point of view, so it's sort of him trying to, I don't know, save face. But
1: So let me ask you one more question on this, because it's obviously how it's sort of where the Jordan one is right now, where it's all its kind of he said, she said with the Jordan one now bouncing around the world. Is Lance throwing people under the bus here? I mean, is he taking down American? Is he taking on the entire sport with him? Let me ask that.
0: Maybe maybe more in part two in mm. part one he, he he alludes to everyone was doing it yeah and that he ended up going to this Dr. Ferrari and he said this is what we need to do and he said all right and I, they alluded to it a little bit but not not so much that I I didn't already know that right. cycling is a, a doping haven uh, but I think part two made, made have some shots fired more so in there mm-hmm. than part one.
1: Okay. Let's switch gears. Time to talk baseball. Um, man, it's a roller coaster. It's just a roller co- I don't know what it's like in your neck of the woods. I mean, you kind of live in a baseball town. A couple of them, actually, between Baltimore and Washington there. I, 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 although I don't know if we can call Baltimore a baseball town right now. <laughs> um, I don't know. Are you hearing? Is the Washington Post kind of putting things out there that this plan that was proposed is – Still on track, mid June training, July fourth baseball, or is that dead in the water in in your neck of the woods?
0: To be completely honest, I haven't listened to almost any sports radio outside of podcasts and that kind of stuff. That I've so I because I haven't been driving as much, I don't flip on the sports radio down here because I haven't needed to drive as much. So I really do not know the answer. Well.
1: I'm with you there, but I, you know, in the majority of my stuff. I'll, I'll hop around the internet a little bit with a couple of the places I go. And I landed on the athletic as I do every day because of course we're partnered with them. Kenny Rosenthal has written a piece him, between him and Jason Stark. There's been a piece maybe every three, four days with a bit of an update, good updates, but they seem to contradict themselves. So I don't know how to feel about it. Here's what I do know. And this is why I want to discuss it today with you. Money's everything. <laughs> and that stinks. So, you know, our investment in this is crucial because I think at the end of the day, the finances, as petty as it sounds, it's, they're going to carry the day. They're going to carry the decision. And it's not just player salaries. It's, I mean, the, the Associated Press, I just read a pretty impactful article, which is a bit, a bit of a homer article. I mean, the AP was essentially outlining Major League Baseball's Budget for 2020, and then the realities that they're laying out when they when they went on record and said, you know, we're going to lose four billion dollars pl- even if we play 82 games this year. There is a mathematical path to get there, and the Associated Press did lay it out, but it's very one-sided. It's very first of all, it doesn't include any revenue that could increase, which we've talked about it. I mean, if there's baseball on every single night and half of those are national broadcasts, you're going to increase revenue there. That's going to be Above budget is my point. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if you can agree on a salary structure that's below where we are right now, you know, below the prorated 82 game salary, you're going to earn, you're going to lose a little less right there. There are, my point is, there are ways to massage this to where four billion isn't the answer. Now, the Associated Press kind of put out how how much expenses will come down because obviously, if there's not fans there. There's a, there's a ton of expenses that aren't going to happen. You're not going to be ordering concessions. You're not going to have, you know, you're not going to be paying parking attendants, even though a lot of those people might be paid through October based on the furlough structure. But there's just a lot of things you can, you can also eliminate with a, an, an empty stadium. So I, I don't want to dive into that side of it too much. Here's my initial takeaway from a couple of articles that I read, goods, beds, all that stuff. Of course, they're going to lose money. Everybody stands to lose money right now. Whether you're an owner, whether you're a player, whether you own a parking lot, whether you run a concessions, com- we're all losing money. It's just happening, <laughs> you know. I mean, your local target's dying right now. It's just happening. Everybody, everybody's losing money. It's how much of it do, can you lose while also keeping a, a financial structure in place for the next five years? Because right now, you're just trying to. You're just trying to sustain yourself, right? You're just trying to get yourself to a point where, okay, we don't want to lose $4 billion, but if we, what if we can lose two and a half? Let's do it. Let's do it. I, I think that should be step one for Major League Baseball. Let's, let's cut our losses here. And number two is, sorry, there's three. Number two is, they're already in second last place in terms of fan appreciation. You know that. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, everybody's ahead of the NHL because the NHL is such a niche sport now. Hockey is such a niche sport now. But they're well behind the NBA in the NFL. They're well behind. Yeah, they are. And they were coming into this season. And I, I said it five minutes ago. I'm going to say it again. They have a chance to flip the conversation. They have a chance to own the summer. Whether, they, whether, you know, whether it means a 5% increase in viewership or, or, or not, it's 5% they weren't going to get in a normal year. Uh, and this is not a normal year. So uh, to me, it, it, it's a big part of baseball's fabric right now to say, we got to suck this up for the good of the game because the, the the trend was bad and it's still going to be bad no matter what happens. But if we go and play and we, we come together and we agree on something from a financial standpoint that, that we can compromise on, just to get ourselves on TV seven days a week in a situation where Everyone else might be virtual, you know. Who knows what's going to happen? I, I think they have to make it happen for the for the good of baseball. It's a rare opportunity. It's a bittersweet opportunity for them to sort of rise to the to the top of the coffee cup here. And then the third is this, and this is really where I want to have our discussion, Scott. Not enough people. <laughs> not enough people. Yes, we've heard how the owners. Uh, updated agreement and offer included split revenue and how baseball, the players are fighting back and Blake Snell doesn't want to play for less than $7 million because that's what was agreed to him and he shouldn't have to play for a dollar less even if there's half the schedule. Those are all out there. But the reason that there's so much volatility, the reason that, that these arguments are so back and forth is this CBA is going to end in 18 months. At the end of the 2021 season, September, whatever it is, the CBA expires. And baseball and, and labor agreements are oil and wine, oil and water. It just doesn't work. Okay, there's no getting this thing done early. None of that. They they are at odds, and it's because the players have continually gotten crushed. This is an ownership league, and Rob Manfred is an ownership com- commissioner, and that hasn't changed. So you're not just we're not just getting ourselves through 2020 because of the COVID situation, but the players have to take as strong a stance as possible right now, because next year is it. It's it. So if we're talking about deferred payments till next year, or you know we'll split revenue this year, but it's, but any kind of you know any revenue loss this year is going to get made up next year. None of that stuff's going to happen, and the players know it, and the union knows it. Because if you're coming up on an expiring CBA next season, and the owners already have all the leverage, they're not going to move an inch. They're not going to budge an inch on this stuff. They're going to take everything and they're going to say, well, then just don't play. And they won't. They won't. They're going to strike. They strike every time and they're certainly going to strike right now. So for all the reasons I just said, one of them being for the, for the face of baseball, get yourselves on TV seven days a week right now. They better because it's going to be a miracle if they don't strike next, next fall. A miracle. So mm-hmm. play all the games you can play right now because the owners are never going to budge on this stuff. They're just not. So if the owners are saying, if the owners pull back, and it sounds like they have pulled back based on Kenny Roosevelt's recent article here, it sounds like that whole salary cap situation is gone. But there is a discussion about, okay, we're going to take our prorated salaries, 82-game prorated salaries, and we're going to modify them somehow. And that's going to be the next offer to the players' union. That's what I want to talk about with you, Scott. I I sent you a spreadsheet. I'm using the Dodgers as, as a decent example because the Dodgers... When we at the time when we put together our salary structure on Track, and I always try to project what the 26 man roster is going to be, the Dodgers are a good mix of veterans, arbitration players, and and uh, pre-arbitration players. You know, cost-controlled guys. They're a good mix of. They, they didn't have a lot of players with injuries, so I'm not talking about players on injury reserve because that's a whole other enchilada, in my opinion. And, and all these little elements of the of the game are going to get contested with these offers. There's so much to unpack, but point in case is, the Dodgers have a 26-man roster on spot track right now that I think we can work with as a model because it's the second. High, actually, is it the first? I think it's the highest payroll in the league. I believe it's the highest payroll in the league, and it's tempered. So what, second, it's, it's the Yankees are the first still?
0: Yeah, they are. Okay,
1: so it's the so the second highest payroll. So here's what I did in our spreadsheet, and I'll try to lay it out here on, on radio here so it's comprehensible. I've got, I've got a column that's got the full salaries for the year for all 26 Dodgers. What I also did is I, I added four just above minimum players because it sounds like there's going to be a 30-man roster. So if you're going to have, um, you know, you, you want guys moving around less. We talked about this before. They want to have a 30-man roster so you can carry plenty of coverage in, in the event that a guy needs a day off, gets injured, blah, 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 blah. So I've got a 30-man Dodgers payroll here that, with full salaries, brings it to about $205 million of active payroll. Cut that down to 82 games, and we've got them at about $103 million. If I did two scenarios, I said, let's say they, they decide to take the 82-game prorated salaries and knock off another 15%. That brings them down to $88 million. okay, $88 million mm-hmm. in total payroll. That's got to be tenable. If that's the second highest payroll, okay, and the Yankees are first, but the Yankees can also trim some of this. They've got players they can move on from if they have to. So if the Dodgers payroll is down to 88000000 million, we're still talking about $4 billion of revenue that's going to be earned over an 82-game schedule. And oh, by the way, all of this, these numbers I'm saying and all the revenue that they're saying, these projections, that's just regular season. That's just going from 162 down to 82. And and what's most important and what's being left out is postseason.
0: Yeah, number, they added two, right?
1: Those salaries are slotted, right? Postseason pay is slotted, and it's based on how long you make it through the postseason and how much revenue there's a pool, so the so the owners can control that to some degree. The base, you know, the commissioner can control that one way or the other. But it's also where you make all your damn revenue from TV. It's it's where all the revenue comes from TV. Right? Everybody wants well, to watch that the postseason.
0: And they've expanded. And they
1: expanded it. So there's going to be an increased revenue. So to me, 15% under the prorated salary. That means Clayton Kershaw makes 13 and a half instead of 31. That means your, your minimum guys, your Gavin Lux, your Dylan Floros, your Walker Buellers, essentially. They're making about anywhere between two sixty and $300,000 for 82-game regular season. I understand. That's, that's a small number. I get it. Not to you and me, it's not small, but to them, that's a small number. That's that's a minor league paycheck, is what that is. We're talking, you know, at at the very best, we're talking about twenty five hundred dollars per game per eighty two game regular season. I'm not going to sit here and say that's good or that's bad. I'm telling you what the numbers are. So let's let's start it back over because they do want to eliminate this prorated salary in some degree. Okay, so let's just say, let's just say, they go back to the original salaries. But they say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to chop off 60%, which is kind of close to Mm prorating. It's kind of close, but it's a good hard number that everybody can deal with. That brings it down to about $82 million of payroll for the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw's at about $12.5 million instead of $31 million. A little bit less than 15% less than the proration. These two scenarios I'm laying out to you. But and, I, and I, I preface this the way I wanted to so that you can understand where I'm going with this. Yes, your 82 games salary is going to be less, and I think it should be, Scott, because it matters less. It, it, it matters less in every facet, especially with no fans. It matters incredibly less now. It's just about getting on TV and playing baseball, so you should be taking less there, but the postseason pay is going to be bigger than it's ever been ever. There's going to be incentives. There are going to be bonuses. You should, if... The incentive to make the playoffs will be better than ever. So those games to the players will matter more now. The 82 games will matter more than they've ever mattered. A, there'll be less mm-hmm. of them. And B, you'll be, you can make some really significant pay if your team makes the postseason. And you play you know, X percentage of, eight, of the 82 games to qualify for postseason pay, whatever it's going to be. This is pretty easy stuff for, for you know, accountants and front, of, front office people to sit, sit around and figure out. But I think this works for all these leagues. Not just this now for the NBA and the NHL. It sounds like they're going to cut off pretty much cut off the regular season and go straight to a playoff tournament, so expanded playoffs. So they are going to do this. There's going to be tons of bonus money. It's in built into that. There has to be, there has to be because you already had the NBA players take a discount on their last paycheck, right? As you laid out 25% decrease mm-hmm. on that last paycheck, they're going to have to be yep. able to make that back up in postseason pay. There's no question, but it's all about the playoffs. It's all about the playoffs from a sponsorship standpoint, from a television viewership standpoint. And now, based on what I'm proposing, to go in and getting back some of your money. This is how they have to do it. To me, everybody wins. Because if the Dodgers make the postseason, as we all expect them to do, then Clayton Kershaw is not going to cry much about, you know, the the million and a half that we cut him off to get ourselves to a a payroll that was more in line with the revenue we're going to make from the regular season. And that's what this is all about. It's you've got teams. I mean, I feel bad for teams like the Orioles who probably have no chance to make any kind of postseason tournament. They're just they're at the bottom. They went down to the bottom. But at the same time, do you know what their payroll is going to be? I mean, Scott, what you got in front of you? What is it right now?
0: Uh, They're at 56.
1: They're at 56 million for a full 162 game schedule, correct? (laughs) Correct. So if I'm doing the math. I dropped 40% off the Dodgers payroll. So what's 40% less than 56 million? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Are we in the thirties? 40 and change?
0: So 40% of that 56 is 22, 22 and a half.
1: $30 million lost. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: 22 and a half million to pay for the, the entire Orioles 26 man roster. So not going a few more to add, to bring it up to 30 men. You're going to have a little bit of movement. Obviously there's going to be some flexibility. And if there's a minor leagues, they're going to have to pay some of those players and benefits as well. But
0: yeah. Yeah. And the pirates Marlins are below 60 million too. So they're pretty much in the same boat at this point. So you have three teams that. Right.
1: And I lose 30, obviously in my 000. scenario, those players won't be able to make any of it back. They just won't. But yeah. You know, and, and maybe and maybe there's some animosity with that, and then maybe there should be. But I, to me, that's the way to go. You've expanded the postseason. Maybe you expanded more for 2020 to include more teams, so that more teams can qualify for this kind of scenario. But we all know how little. I mean, it's been it's been a narrative for all these sports now for a decade. How how does the regular season really matter? How much does it really impact anything outside of? Thursday night TNT watching, you know, something to watch on Thursday nights on TNT for a basketball game. Does it really matter that much to the season? Heck no. That's why LeBron yeah. sits every four games. That's why Kawhi sits every two games. So, so to me, let's get real about this money. Let's get real about a difference between a regular season payroll and a post-season payroll. Go ahead. I've been talking too long. Lay out your thoughts here. What do you think?
0: I I think the proration Makes sense to me as far as if you're playing 82 games and you're getting 82 games worth of your salary. That makes sense to me because you're at least getting paid something, and the salaries that they're getting paid are based on a full 162 season. So if you're just dividing it by 82 ga- or 162 games and then multiplying it by how many games, say they get 82 in, I- I'm completely fine with. If that's the Let me jump in on you go. there,
1: then, because the uh, a lot of things got got convoluted with that conversation, and I, I just want to throw this at you. Supposedly, and I, I kind of believe it. Supposedly, because because of when this was agreed to, it was agreed to on March 26th. Think about how long ago that feels like. But think mm-hmm. about how how much we didn't know at that point either. Right I, when that agreement was made on March 26th, the prorated salary was. With the assumption that there'd be fans in the stands, which means that revenue would not be right. lost. Mm-hmm. And it's a really important point to bring into this conversation because it's not, it's not feasible for, for. So, for instance, your, your, your proposal right there let's just prorate and pay these players full salaries on an 82 game schedule, meaning, mm-hmm. meaning essentially half their money, half their full salary. So, Clayton Kershaw yeah. goes down from 31 million to 15 and a half. That, that means the Dodgers have a $103 million 30-man payroll estimated. That seems too much. Knowing what we know now, it seems like there's too much. Because if you're talking about a team like Kansas City, who's in a small market, who's going to lose... And, and listen to this, by the way. What if, what if the national guys, the ESPNs and the TBSs and the Foxes, start taking these broadcasts away? TV money yeah. the, from a local level is so big; it's so big to these small markets. But if they start losing broadcasts to the big boys, that's less money they're going to make as well. So there's a, there's a pro and a con to every side here. But that, I felt that had to be interjected because it's just to me it's just not feasible to say let's just cut this the salaries in half and go. It those seem too like too much money to me.
0: Yeah, you, you make a good point there because. You you don't have the fans there. They're not buying the extra jerseys or the extra beer or yeah, that of kind it. of stuff. When uh, you're not getting those fans last minute that are saying, "Oh, Clayton Kershaw is pitching, starting when he's away. I'm going to go to that game." Uh, so you're not getting those uh, last minute ticket revenue. So I I, I get that. Yeah. Uh, from a from a math standpoint, I, I just like the proration because it just makes sense to me as far <laughs> as, you know, you're playing you're supposed to play one sixty two. You're only playing eighty two. So this is what we're going to go. But I know it goes much deeper than that. Uh, I, I agree with your point that once postseason hits, I mean, there's going to be opportunities for, you know, every game is going to be televised nationally, whether or not you get. The amount of people nationally that would actually watch it outside of, you know, locals are going to watch their team in itself. But I think you may get it's an opportunity for baseball to get some of those very casual fans to watch the games and maybe hook them.
1: How about this? And I understand the that we're we're trying to add revenue, not decrease it. But I wonder what the math looks like if you make the MLB package free.
0: Mm.
1: which means every single person with any kind of streaming device or phone yeah. or computer could watch every game all, all season long, however long that is. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Yeah, I do. And then you go and sell that sponsor, th- those sponsorships and th- that advertising. Again, this is, to me, this is not just about money lost, money gained. You want, you want to get people interested in your damn sport again. And that yeah, would be I mean, a heck of a way to say, all right, we're going we're gonna to open it up and let's hope that we catch some people. Let's hope that enough people start watching Mike Trout to say, hey, I got to watch more of this guy. Do you know what I mean? The East Coasters who never seen Mike
0: Trout. Well, I do. I, I totally get it because if you go into the app app and watch it on, on the web, I mean, you can stream four games at once. I think four is the maximum. It's one of the better so streaming apps. Right, and that's where I was going. I mean, if you can hook some of those people and say, oh, you can watch four games all at the same time. Yep. and I mean, that's one of the things that the NBA app is lacking. Yes. You can only watch one game at a time when you have seven or eight games playing at the same time. So you can't have multiple screens at once, whereas baseball, you can do so. So if you opened it up and you ended up getting some people that actually see that and you could see the live stats – of players while you're watching. I mean, you may get a a, a whole new fan base that you didn't even think about. Yep. Yes, you're going to lose some revenue probably uh, on the short term because you're not getting that initial whatever it is 120 dollars or 100 dollars for the season uh, for for that. But long term gains, you may get people to subscribe in the next two three years long term. So. I get it's a a juggling act for Major League Baseball. But as we've said in the past, now is the time to do the experimentation with whatever you need to do to get people to watch the game. Uh, Whether it's changing the format where you have to do seven innings um, I don't know. I, I can't remember if that's been proposed or not, but if you have to go to seven innings and do double headers more often yeah. or, you know, whatever it has to do to speed the pace up or, uh, you know, put mics in some guy's ears that you know are going to be good. I, I know the cons to that, but the pros that we've seen in spring training, uh, you know, you may get that one kid who only cares. Like you said, Mike Trout, if Mike Trout was miked up all the time and the kid who loves Mike Trout they're going to they're going to watch the game to see what he has to say yep
1: Yeah, there's no question uh, I, I just wonder you know whether it's mike's whether it's being able to see every game every single day um you know i'm not saying this is going to make baseball compete with any of these bigger sports i i understand that we're probably at a time where that's not going to be the case it's just not that exciting of a game to the masses no. even though I mean, the Little League baseball structure is still crazy popular. It's just it falls yep. off. Something falls off from it becoming a good TV show. And that's that's really the problem of it. It's a bad TV show. It's a bad TV show. People enjoy going. I mean, people, most people will stay for six, seven innings still.
0: But it's not a good TV show. <laughs> is, is, isn't is that the answer right there? You said yeah. six or seven innings, they stay. Let's not go. Not. I mean, I, I'm not... A traditionalist, nor am I you know, go <laughs> super crazy guy. and change yeah. everything. <laughs> but we're, we're times have changed. We're in a realistic situation where maybe the maybe they need to think about seven innings. If if that is the average time that you know most people are staying six or seven innings, or you know maybe you need to cut those innings down to get people to watch more. Yeah, it, it, I mean. I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine, uh, during the NASCAR race last night, and we we were talking back and forth and he made a great point of, you know, some of these races, they just need to be, uh, 300 miles. And then there's two or three 500s. And then there's the one 600, which is your marathon. But because of the streaming and the gaming kids' attentions aren't there to watch a four hour race, right? So same thing goes with baseball. Four-hour baseball game, kids get turned off right away. And not just kids. I mean, we're talking 20 to 30, even us. I mean, when you get a five-hour game because of extra innings. So I I, I think whatever they have to do to – it's going to be a shortened season. I know they're trying to salvage what they have. But I think, as we've said, and I've just said it again before, use this time to experiment – because there's going to be some sort of an asterisk anyways with the season as it is. So well, uh, you, might, you might as well give it a try.
1: I mean, we're, we're being optimistic and positive here because we don't really have a choice. I wonder if front offices are, are in completely different mode. I wonder if my initial point being there's definitely going to be a strike after 2021. I wonder if, if, if we're, they're already preparing for that tenfold. And who cares about how we get there? Cause we're going to get there. Do you understand what I'm saying? So let's, yeah. let's not overexpend on anything. <laughs> let's do everything we can to basically just ride this out because this is going to get to ground zero in 18 months, no matter what we do. It's that bad. It's that fractured. It's that broken. But,
0: so well, I know you've been, I know you've been reading more than I have with this. Do you think it would be advantageous to the players to just strike now? <laughs> and for here's my reasons. One, guys are going to come back on short-term spring training, and we're probably going to see a huge increase in injuries, whether it's Tommy John or uh, you know m- maybe they blow an ACL or something running the bases. Not to mention COVID nineteen. <laughs> Not to mention that, <laughs> and you know some of those guys can that are already out or already injured, they have that extra time to you know sitting in let's leave all that up. out
1: of it you let's just let's just discuss your, your initial thought which was okay. should they strike right now yes i think that's exactly what blake snell's trying to do i think that's exactly what and that's why guys like harper and arenado jumped on with him to some degree because they understand and those guys got paid already those two guys got paid snell took a discount but he I mean, he, he is under contract as well from a veteran standpoint this is your Aaron Rodgers stepping forward and saying, do not sign this CBA. Remember that? Yep. I remember those veteran, a couple of those veterans that really came out and basically said, look it, you are walking into an owner's <laughs> garden right now, and they're going to yeah. trap you, and they're not going to let you out. And that, that may be where the NFL is going. I mean, if the NFL can successfully, successfully get through the season, the TV money might be 33% bigger than we even thought it was going to be six months ago in the NFL. So, I mean, the players really might have missed out on this one. But they're playing. Baseball might not. But baseball might not anyway. And, uh, and I think if you, if you asked all 30 owners right now, would you rather play or not play in 2020, I bet it'd be a pretty close split. Behind the scenes, off the record, would you rather play... Are not playing in 2020 from a financial standpoint, because I think they're going to, they're going to lose money to play. Uh, I think enough homework has been done on that to prove it, that they will lose money to play baseball right now because of the operations and the salaries it would take. Mm-hmm. Where, whereas they could just pay back sponsors, not pay players' salaries, and then just walk away from 2020. I think the majority, a, good, a close majority would say, we should just shut it down for 2020 and see where we go. So if the, but if the players forced that, there's actually a world where they might have a little leverage. Yeah. Because if it carried think- into 2021, if the owners then had no way to make money in 2021, because the players just refused to come back, it, it's not a terrible idea. It's not, it's a terrible idea for me because <laughs> I want yeah. baseball back, but, right. but I, Look, we've, we've had multiple discussions. I'm sitting here looking at, an, at a minimum salary graph that we have on spot track for the NFL based on years of experience. And I can't get it out of my head. I cannot believe baseball doesn't have this. I cannot believe that there are 19 year veterans who accept $500,000 salaries right now. I mean, that's how broken things are.
0: Yeah, that, absolutely. That, that can't
1: happen. It can't happen there should be a minimum for everybody out there and it shouldn't be the bare minimum and that's what everybody's agreeing to if you're a role player if you're i mean look at th- they're they're going to add the dh in the national league guess what that's going to cost the NHL- national league teams more money it just is because you know what yeah, that you know what that spot used to be a relief pitcher that they could flex up and down from the minors who cost about $175,000 at the end of the day, because mm-hmm. they, they, they brought them up and down 97 times throughout the season. Now it's going to have to be a guy like JD Martinez, who's worth $25 million because you're not going to fill that spot with a nobody. It's going to have to be a legitimate hitter. It's going to have to be a real hitter who, who's going to cost a real salary. So that's added money right there. There's so many things that are broken. <laughs> it's just, it's terrible. Um, Look, let's, let's do it. Let's put together a plan right now. You and me, five minutes. Finish this thing off with a plan. Does baseball need less innings? Yes. Does baseball need less regular season games? Yes. Is baseball's postseason okay, or should it change?
0: I'm okay. If you take less regular season games, I'm okay with 14 teams in playoffs or... You know, I'd go with 14. Basketball, we see that seventh and eighth, usually th- th- they're nobodies anyway. So I'm okay with expanding to the 14.
1: The bottom two sports of the big four, the NHL and Major League Baseball, they're also the only two sports that have true minor league systems. Mm-hmm. Is there a correlation? Are those leagues bleeding money by having to hold up such a, such a strong minor league structure? I mean, is it a coincidence yeah. that the NFL and NH- NBA do not? Yes, there's a G uh, League, but it costs absolutely nothing to run the G League. Uh,
0: that's a great point, And maybe that is why they're contracting a lot of those yeah. minor league teams in baseball for that purpose, because of the amount of money that has to be sh- shelled out for those. Well, so, combine uh, yeah. that
1: with the fact that Pete Alonzo and Aaron Judge and th- these guys don't need minor league baseball. And and that's not going to stop. Ronald Acuna didn't play minor league baseball. They don't need it. No, they don't need it. Uh, these guys should be going no, from from A to A to Z. They're
0: they're ready. Um, right, and we, we, it's like LeBron coming out of high school. We, yeah. we don't know anybody coming out of high school for baseball <laughs> that is like the marquee guy that you're going to have to see. And well, like,
1: I do, but that's because years. I drink right. prospect articles over cups of coffee, like <laughs> me and eight no, other but people. I,
0: but what I'm saying is we, we saw LeBron on Sports Illustrated yeah. when he was 12 years old. We don't see that with baseball. I mean, if you do, it's extremely rare. I'm just saying from a standpoint of you want to see these marquee guys or these names right away and not have to wait five, six years for them to go through minors and then come up through. This is probably the exact reason why Kyler Murray went to the NFL. Yeah. He didn't want to have to sit through all of that. He wanted to be the name and look, he is the name right now. I mean, he's the face of the franchise outside yeah,
1: potential of potential MVP uh, candidate.
0: Um, so I, I agree, yeah, I agree that whether they get rid of the minor league or th- they cut it back even more than what they need to. I, I it, yeah.
1: Okay. Last one. You deal with the NBA a lot. You know, the NFL structure that I handle on, on spot track quite a bit. Hard cap. Soft cap, no cap, Major League Baseball. Something's got to give.
0: Yeah, something does. Something's got to give. You can't have
1: you can't have six years of of cost control anymore in Major League Baseball. It's got to change. No,
0: and I've had this debate in my head all the time. If I was starting a league, what kind of structure would I go with?
1: I, you must be fun at parties, man.
0: Oh, uh, I'm a, I'm a blast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'd, if I had to pick one, I, I hate, I hate the NBA for the fact that there are these rights that, that can go up and down and all these exception rules. I, I really don't like that, yeah, but that's accessory. But,
1: that's accessory.
0: It, it is. But it generates the movement, which generates the conversation, which generates, you know, the, the trade deadline conversation. So it's a 24 7, 12 months a year sport because of that. Now, football is the same way. I almost want to tend towards the football structure, but with including. Salary, if you have any space, you can roll it over, but you can only roll over up to a certain amount.
1: That's interesting because that would be, that would help with revenue sharing.
0: Because the thing that I hate about the NBA is there are almost, there's only usually five teams that have cap space, uh, relevant cap space to sign guys. So if you have five guys that have, or five teams that have a, a max amount of space and you know there's some guys that are going to sign a maximum, they're most likely going to go there unless you do some sort of sign and trade like we've seen in in the past year or two. But if you do the NFL structure where you can roll over, but you you put a cap on that. So say you can roll over up to 20 million to the next year. Anything that's over that is just lost. So it's going to force teams to spend the money, but – it's going to make them think frugally enough that I want to go as close to that 20 million left as possible so that I can roll it over to sign some extra guys with that 20. Uh, I I think that would generate enough. And
1: so keep the soft cap or keep the luxury tax structure or add a soft cap.
0: No, I think I would make the, the soft cap so you can still roll over. There's not a luxury tax where you're spending for extra. You're just rolling over that cap space. But I agree that there needs to probably be some kind of a floor.
1: Oh, a higher floor. There's a floor, floor. but it's it's insignificant. Otherwise, the Marlins wouldn't be spending $46 million right now.
0: Well, right. It needs to be more significant in the fact that Like NBA, if you're below the floor, all you do is you divide the amount of money that you're below by, and the owner has to pay the players that that split. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's dumb. Um, I know NFL runs a four-year floor where you have to spend based on the total of cap over the uh, four-year span in cash – and if you don't, then I think it's the same kind of thing where you divide it up and you you hand it out to the players. I think there needs to be more of a uh, consequence if you do not spend to the floor, whether it's you – in baseball, draft picks don't really mean that much I, at this point. So if it's a different kind of consequence, then so be it. But I think I would be for a stronger floor – with a salary cap that you can roll over up to a certain amount if you don't spend. Yeah. In a nutshell. So
1: con- so the luxury tax and all that would work off of the average annual salary of the contract still like it, like the NBA does and like baseball does right now.
0: I I'm almost leaning towards not having a luxury tax at all in baseball. Really? It, I'm sort of, I'm sort of mixing football and football and ba- uh, basketball into... So one, if you just called it a soft
1: cap where you'd find to go over or, or find if you didn't hit the floor, whatever you're going to do, I think you could get there and let me tell you why. Number one, player player money hasn't increased in like four years and for the first time ever it decreased last year. I'm talking money money in salaries mm-hmm. from an overall league, league basis. Owners just flat out aren't spending money and As we we did a show early on this year before this mess hit, this was going to be a year where I think every single team was under the luxury tax threshold. It was going to happen. The Dodgers were going to make one more trade. They were going to get there. The Red Sox were making trades to get there. The Yankees were going to have to probably move some guys either to the minor leagues or trade a couple of those prospects or trade Stanton, which I still think could happen. But they were going to get there. That would be Unbelievable. Unbelievable to have these kind of teams with these kind of payrolls, but all of them under the luxury tax threshold. It would mean they're ready. They're ready for a, a, a firm number, a soft cap number. And yeah, they would all have say, to abide if, by that. But if the so, floor uh, was 92%, let's say the floor was 92%, Scott. Here's what yeah, else I think that's what NFL's at, about
0: ninety. Yeah, they
1: didn't 92%. go up high enough because they did, they're still spreading it out over a bunch of years, like you mentioned. But if it was more rigid, here's what it also, what it also would eliminate. You couldn't just build your roster with Pete Alonso's and Cody Bellinger's. No. You physically wouldn't be able to. You, you'd either a have to pay Pete Alonso twenty million dollars a year, or you simply would have to have four or five rookies and a couple of, of really high paid veterans, and then mid mid a mid, middle class. You'd have to pay, get, pay a bunch of guys eight nine million dollars just to get to your floor. That would solve a middle class crisis, or it would. Take guys like Pete Alonso out of the cost control window, which is fine for everybody, I think. So to me, that that works for me. That works for me. If it's if it's more of a rigid cap, doesn't have to be a hard cap. I don't think anybody should have a hard well, cap anymore. That's
0: why I say if they have, say you have space, say say for lack of uh, a, a number that's there, let's call it one fifty. Say the cap was at one fifty, okay. and say a team like the Mets. They spent 130 this year. Mm-hmm. They can roll that 20 million over, so the cap at 150. Say it's just a flat cap for right now. So they would be able to spend up to uh, 170 the next year, so they could have a little bit of room to spend. And then say they only spend. Uh, say they only go up to 130 again, even though they have that space, they can only roll over out of that extra 40 that they have left over in that following season. Right. They can only roll over 20 of that 40. They would essentially lose 20 because they didn't spend their money. Right. So it would force play, force players to get money. Um, yes. So increasing the salaries. Okay. But teams like the Yankees or the Dodgers you're forcing them to have to be more efficient with their money. Which they're already and, doing
1: anyway, Scott.
0: But it's going to force teams that are way high yeah. to have to move players to there you say go. the Royals. Or that's the, the point I was just going to make. Athletics. You're
1: going to have smaller teams in salary. Yes. You're going to have it's, teams it, buying I, Giancarlo Stanton for a two-year stretch because the Yankees can't afford him anymore, but the Royals need to spend and that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine for baseball. It is. We want the movement.
0: Yeah, you do. I mean, and and I think that's one of the flaws with not one of. It's a flaw with the NFL CBA is they they allow yep. unlimited rollover of this cap space and th- you end up seeing teams with an extra 100 million Yeah, million we're at a like point Browns. right now
1: where the Browns and the Jets and those teams that have and the Dolphins they've been at the top of that list for so long now they just yeah. physically have no way to spend it.
0: Yeah, it's it's abuse of the system. So yeah. it, there needs to be a reset like I said with a with a a, a cap on how much can roll over just so that It's not getting watered down,
1: or a mandate on how much of that rollover you have to spend every every single year,
0: right? Well, or it could be that rollover gets spent first, and then sure, you so you have to use that allocated money first, and then you need to do X, Y, and Z with the others. But or you can trade it,
1: (laughs) (laughs) and that's that's the NBA exceptions that you're going to get into that you hate. But that's why they did it, Scott.
0: Yeah, but cap space is different. Cap space has never been traded. So if that's a tradable entity, I have twenty million (laughs) and I can trade ten of it for a player. Yeah, and then or a draft pick. That is a really interesting aspect. But going back to it, there has to be a hard floor consequence that isn't just oh we're going to divide up and 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 divvy it up to the players that are on the team. And it
1: pains me to say that and I'm sure it pains you to some degree too because I mean put put all the allegations aside, I love when teams like the Houston Astros win who yeah. have this ridiculously low payroll and still got to the finish line. There's there's something romantic about that and that's something baseball's always been able to offer but at the Unless same the time raids. but at the yeah, same the time raids. the game's just flat out not working. On a global basis, it's just flat out not working right now. And if and if if one of the reasons, and it's kind of funny we're having this conversation in the middle of the worst financial structure that the game has ever seen, but if one of the ways it has to get fixed is forcing teams to spend more, do it.
0: Do it. All right. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go to this. Let me go this route. Yeah, Let's finish on this. If if we're if we're blowing up a system and rebuilding it as we're sort of talking about here, does Baseball to your point, blow up minor league system. Maybe they add a couple more teams, but they go the EPL relegation route. Yeah. Where if you don't make the floor or and and <laughs> Can you imagine you, the
1: Yankees being relegated though?
0: No, but it would that's where I'm saying if you that's add cool. teams, if you if you say you add three or four more teams take all the minor leagues you add them in there you build in a relegation system yeah i don't foresee the red Sox or the yankees getting relegated but can you imagine if they did well i mean the,
1: you the, realize the, the reason that manchester ha- united never has is because they're able to spend as much as possible so yeah, but they
0: don't have a cap
1: that's what i'm saying though purposely because the epl never wants manchester united to be relegated ever in the history of life because it would be so detrimental to that league. So to me, there's, these are two uh, th- these are polar conversations.
0: All right. So may- maybe maybe relegation isn't the answer. Yeah. But maybe it's a because teams are forced to have to spend at the floor. Maybe it's a consequence of. Uh, a one year ban from postseason. Yeah. You didn't you didn't spend the floor. So next season, even though you're gonna have to spend, yeah. you you don't get to make the postseason that next season or whatever me. I, I just need it to be something substantial and not a slap on the wrist. Well, Otherwise, there, there's no I mean they're certainly
1: ha- gonna reduce this draft, which we, we should probably bring into this conversation quickly. I mean, it's gonna be five rounds for this year because of everything we're dealing with and a lack of being able to handle bonuses and all that stuff. Um, But I mean, it's never going to be 40 rounds again. If I had to
0: guess, no, probably not. I think
1: this thing's going to be max 15. If I had to guess, they probably want 10, but the reason they want that is because they don't want 300 guys in the Mets system at any, at any given time. A it's expensive. B it's reckless. Right. I mean, 5% of those guys are going to make it to the big leagues, even for a game or two, it's, it's just, it's, it's a, it's an awesome system. And I would hate to see minor league baseball get ripped apart because I'm I'm a, I'm a fan. I mean, I have one locally here that I attend all the time, but you know, as you get down into the single A's, there's just really no reason to have those, those kind of structures affiliated with the major league teams anymore because the chances are so bad. They're just so bad so and if they shorten the draft if it's a ten round draft and they simplify minor league baseball, then as you kind of brought up a while ago, then we should be seeing those draft picks in minor league baseball immediately because there's mm-hmm. less minor league baseball they should they should all be in one place, players that aren't going to make it are gone in eighteen months or twenty four months right they're just out they're out of the system, and you know the Mets have a a close knit group of prospects that we all know about that you can market, that you can talk about, that you can put on local TV, right? These 30 guys are the guys in waiting. These, you know, this is where they came from. This is where they were drafted. Less is more, I think, because right now there's just so much. There's so many regular season games. There's so many players in the system. There's so much, there's so many innings. The games take so long. I mean, there's that's, that's it. That's the adjective with this game right now.
0: There's just too much of everything. Well, e- even in those in the minor league system, as you're talking here, I'm running through things in my mind as it is, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking, all right, if they cut back, maybe maybe each team gets one minor league team, and that is it.
1: Yeah, I guess that's what and I'm they, saying.
0: They, they can make a squad, but you can have academies and, and, thereafter. But I, where I'm going is, I, I get a lot of the minor league teams are not in the cities that they reside the the major team is they're completely detached but maybe there's a situation where again thinking outside the box and experimenting maybe maybe those that quote-unquote minor league system only plays five inning games but it's before it's a part of a quote unquote, doubleheader with the majors where they play five innings in the beginning of the at one o'clock and then there's a five o'clock major league game. So you're getting to see the minor league kids, but you're and and this sort of digresses from our conversation, but I'm just trying to think of ways baseball could get fans in the seats and revenue increase. You may get people in to the stadiums longer for uh, and, and purchase more food, more beverage, whatever it may be. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be all the time, but are you, talking like maybe, a, did you
1: are you talking like a minor-major doubleheader?
0: Yes, yes. So bad. on maybe on every Saturday in a season, the minor league team plays five innings, or cut it off at three hours or two hours, whatever it might be, whatever comes first. Hmm. Or it, you know maybe it's sort of like I've a already got the week. name for
1: you. It's called a Showcase Sunday. There you go. One Sunday a month is Showcase Sunday. Minor league baseball, major league doubleheader. There you go. Market in major league baseball. Do it. <laughs> All right, let's so finish I, there. I, I, that's good stuff, yeah, Scott. That's good stuff. Yeah. I, I love rattling ideas off about this, and really, this league needs it more than anybody. Um, because as we sort of just laid out here, there's a lot of changes that have been proposed. Man, that's the other thing. These guys got to keep their mouths shut. Do. We, we don't need to know everything they're talking about. I haven't heard Adam Silver talk in like 11 weeks. And that's on purpose. <laughs> that's on purpose. Well, There's I, only I, six I've people got- he needs to be talking to right now. Networking executives, people at Disneyland, and you know his wife. I mean, what? just, just figure this out internally and then bring it to us. We're going to watch. We're going to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, just don't I, screw it up look- on your end. And throwing it out to Twitter is the absolute wrong way to do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, look at NASCAR. Yeah, they had what six point three million viewers last re, last week's last race. Sunday, yeah. And you know, people watched it because there was sports. Whichever league gets back first is gonna get all those viewerships that that you didn't even realize that. I how, guess
1: my point is it. this, though: we've already got salt in our mouth from baseball because we of do. because they're talking publicly because the players yeah. are being given the chance to react publicly. Now fans have a reaction. We all have a reaction to this greedy mess that's being thrown out there. It might not even be the case, but that's the narrative right now. That's the, And this thing hasn't even started yet. So yeah. why are you giving yourselves negative press before you even give yourself a chance to get started? You sh- This should be, like, like I just said, this should be an optimistic time for you to say baseball can be at the forefront right now, and they're blowing it. They're flat out blowing it. Football, yeah, they is, are. football has their head down, their feet in the ground. They are going full speed ahead. And you can hate or love that, but they're going to win. <laughs> they're going to win. College football is going to make it $6 billion. I, I promise you. I promise you. I mean, I'm talking to people, friends and family here on Memorial Weekend, and they're all asking me questions. You know, what do I think? What do I think? I think everything's going to just happen. Because <laughs> for the same reason that your local, your local companies just want to say, screw it and open up your billion dollar sports events are going to do it. They're going to flat out do it. I mean, they're doing it in Germany with soccer and I'm sure, I'm sure they're bleeding money to do that. I'm sure because those salaries are gigantic over there too, but they're just, they're kind of shutting their mouths and doing it. Baseball needs to kind of follow suit right now.
0: Yeah, they do. Agreed. Right.
1: Good stuff. My thanks to the athletic. My thanks to fantasy pros visit theAthletic.com/spotrac. spotrac slash S P O T R A C. Jump on Kenny Rosenthal's article. That's pretty much where I based this conversation from. There's some good stuff on fan graphs with this as well. And the Associated Press did a really nice breakdown of sort of how the league thinks they're going to bleed this revenue or make some revenue back based on how this could all hash out in 2020. Those are kind of the sources from how this conversation started, even though Scott and I took a completely different direction. My right, thanks to Scott Allen. <laughs> from Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast.